Hello and welcome. You are listening to an informed take on current events brought to you by law students and staff of Queen's University Belfast. This is LawPod. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to LawPod. This is David O'Sullivan, the digital publicist and host for LawPod. And as part of our Careers Week, we have a special episode where we're going to discuss how to distinguish yourself as a law student. And today, I'm joined with a very special guest. Deirdre, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, and thanks for inviting me along today. My name is Deirdre Timoney, and I'm the Employability and Placement Officer at, based within the School of Law. I think as part of this Careers Week, it's kind of kicked off, I suppose, what I want to do after this degree or what I want to do after this summer. And I think for a lot of students and from me, myself, there's a lot that can be taken out of this conversation. But I think what I'd love to start with is conversation on employers' mindset within the field of law and what, what I should be trying to move towards as a law student to get these employers interested in me. Okay. Uh, yes, well, obviously, um, I have a lot of dialogue with uh, employers as part of my role. Um, and interestingly enough, we ran an employer roundtable session in February 2020. And that was really to try and get the pulse of those employers and what was they required from Queen's Law students. And I guess where some of the strengths and weaknesses were. So there was six sort of key points that came out of that employer roundtable session. And I guess just um, starting off, you know, the employers recognised that a Queen's law degree or a master's is a great grounding but students have to be able to apply that professional knowledge or any of the employment skills that they have gained into the job roles that employers are offering so that's very important and um, the other thing employers do want to actually engage with our students at a very early stage so you know if you're in first year or your early years of study you know the employers are keen for you to you know engage with them at that early point and, and develop the uh, conversations with with them because that may even help you in terms of module choices at a, a later date and that type of thing and just understanding in, in more general terms what sort of practice areas uh, you may want to um, move into later on. Um, the other thing employers, I guess, is, this is quite obvious, but um, the importance of learning by doing and, you know, being able to persuasively talk to those employers about, you know, what you've learned in terms of either work experience, uh, placements or volunteering. Um, and if, if you can, if you can convince them of your skills or knowledge, you're more likely to be successful in job hunting. And really what that's trying to uh, showing to employers is your personal drive and work ethic, which is really what employers um, are all about. Um, another key theme, and this is something that um, we hammer home quite uh, frequently and continuously in Queen's, is about those devel developing those transferable skills. And some recruiters perceive that um, students sort of lack people skills, which are critically important uh, in the workplace. Now, they're talking about skills like, you know, communication pitching skills, critical thinking, analytical um, skills, time management, etc. But there was a, an even more recent poll um, carried out by the Institute of Student Employers in 21 and 2021 and they asked recruiters what do you consider the three most important skills and they said it's problem solving resilience and learning agility and I'll come on to a wee bit more of that later
later on. The final two points that employers were keen to convey were the importance of, you know, students building and demonstrating resilience. Um, and that's, you know, because workplaces are characterized by so much organizational change and pressures. So they need to know that applicants, you know, are able to cope with that and that they have the abilities to, you know, cope with the stress. And finally, and I would say this is, if you take nothing else away from today, this is a very important point. It's the importance of building commercial awareness. And I have had specific feedback from some employers saying that whilst Queen's law students are generally of really good calibre, a lot of them do fail to demonstrate commercial awareness during the likes of interview processes. Um, so a typical question that an employer may ask is, uh, tell us about a commercial deal in the news that captured your interest recently. And they expect you to talk you know, knowledgeably about that. So commercial awareness is really just about understanding the business environment within which those law firms um, operate. Um, so, you know, if you're going to be a future law professional, you should be intrigued about what's going on in the marketplace and, and the market that you operate in. So how do you propose students can really build that commercial awareness? It's through a whole variety of things. To be honest, I mean, one of the main things is tracking and keeping abreast of what companies are doing. There's the key core news items and news articles. So you should be picking, um, visiting or um, streaming or downloading a good quality news service and looking at, you know, business and trade developments, that type of thing. But you should also be tracking, um, for example, follow follow legal companies that you're interested in, follow them on Facebook, follow them on uh, LinkedIn, follow them on Twitter because they're talking about the business deals that they're doing, the big ticket sales, the accolades, the, the, the awards that they're winning. So if you're sort of building up that knowledge about what those companies are doing, the areas that they're operating in, that knowledge will build up in your brain over time so that hopefully then at a future job interview when you're asked a question, you're you're just much more, um, you're not insular, you're, you're more aware of what's going on generally. Uh, I think the comment you made on LinkedIn is very interesting. Just personally, I know over the last few months, I've started reaching out to people. I've started following all these firms and companies on LinkedIn and seeing what they're posting. And I do feel like I'm better tuned into what's actually happening with these companies. But I think that's only one step that I've taken. And I think there is an anxiety that I know I personally have, which touches on your earlier points is how do I convince these employers that I have a heart, a good work ethic and that I am able to apply what I've learned? Well, I'll come on to that, you know, and some of the further points that I'm going to make. But essentially, that is the value of your work experience, your placements, your extracurriculars. And employers know that you're students and, you you know, you know, you may be applying for your first graduate job. So they don't expect you to be all knowing, but they do expect you to have showed some level of engagement and whatever activities you have been involved in to be able to talk about what skills or knowledge did I build from that? Because if you can apply that learning, that's essentially what employers require of you in the workplace as well. And I think you made a comment as well about the value of people skills. How do you think law students should go about improving their people skills? Um, well, I mean, there's there's a whole variety of skills building opportunities here in Queen's. There's a multitude of them, you know, even within our school of law. There's, you know, there's mooting, there's law pod, there's street law. There's all of these sort of skills building opportunities. So all of those, you know, require you to engage with, you know, teams or people or do investigations or whatever. So, you know, 
Un- unbeknownst to yourself, you're actually building your people skills by interacting, communicating, negotiating, influencing. So, And those are the types of skills that employers want to know about during recruitment processes. I think this conversation is making me very kind of conscious about everything I'm doing, right? And I'm trying to think if I'm making any mistakes and how I'm going around. What are the common mistakes you see law students making and how do you think people can get ahead? Okay. Well, two of the mistakes that I would say that I certainly have come across, I guess one is the bottom line assumption that students, are when they're here, they're so focused on their studies and they're so focused on getting a good academic grade. And that is important and it is important to legal employers. But that in itself does not guarantee you a graduate job. Um, We are producing 600 law graduates here per year across Northern Ireland universities, not to mention the other universities we're students are competing for jobs. So invariably it is your work experience or extracurricular activities that that actually will help make you stand out. So that's one thing to be aware of. I guess the other thing is, um, you know, I do have instances where students, you know, who have reached their final years of studies or have completed a master's are approaching me and they're struggling to fill in application forms or to get selected for interviews. And really it's because there are key gaps evident in their skills or competencies. Um, they don't have worked examples. So I guess that's something to be aware of as well, that you need to start the process at a very early stage to get ahead of that. Um, so in terms of the things that you can do to try and uh, mitigate those uh, mistakes, if you will, uh, one of the top recommendations I would make is to book appointments with the qualified Queen's Careers Consultants. We have whole teams of consultants based in careers, employability and skills for undergrads or in the graduate school. And they really can offer uh, a wealth of advice in terms of better career management, CVs, making applications, interviews, that type of thing. Um, and any student can Available up to five of those, you know, um, consultations in any given academic year. So it's a great resource. It's something that in previous um, surveys, student surveys, students have said they want, but, you know, it's up to them to utilise that opportunity that is there. The second thing is really draft your CV at an early stage so that you can identify, well, where are the gaps that I currently have? And then that sort of acts as nearly like a starting point for your skills building from there on. And we do have a host and a wealth. You know, we put a lot of time and effort into building careers resources, which we feel will be useful to students. So, for example, there's a careers, employability and skills, the core Queen's at website. Um, there's My Future, which is a great uh, platform, which obviously details all graduate jobs, placements, summer work jobs on campus um, and there's a school's student newsletter the School of Law student newsletter now that that's a, a recent a fairly recent innovation it's only been available within the last year but that issues every Friday during the academic year and that's where I am flagging to students you know careers opportunities job opportunities skills building opportunities or things that companies want me to alert students to so you know they should be religiously picking up that newsletter every Friday and looking to see are there opportunities there that will help them on their development pathway. Um, the other thing to say is that there's really useful sector guides and information available on some of the platforms. So, for example, the Chambers Student Guide, they have a guide to the legal profession. They profile over 160 law companies and barrister chambers um, that are independently reviewed. And then they also have guides on, you know, simple things like how do you become a lawyer and, and you know, more specific practice area guides. Um, there's another website. It's called All About Law and it's all one word, but that contains 
change really useful information on law jobs, vacation schemes, training contracts and then events and webinars. So that's very useful as well. I think this conversation about vacation schemes, particularly, so I'm, I'm no, personally, I'm looking for a job over the summer. I've become conscious about vacation schemes and I'd love to hear a bit more about placements and internship opportunities. Okay. So in terms of, uh, I guess the first thing to say, um, and uh, not to be a downer, but it is a really competitive marketplace. Uh, And there was a survey in uh, 2021 uh, by the Institute of Student Recruitment. um, And basically they surveyed 177 employers and they basically said for every internship position they received, 83 applications from students and for every graduate job position they receive 91 applications so you know you can imagine you're you're competing with all those others so you know your your application has to be of, of a good quality so I guess um Placements and internships are still an offer um, and students may be apprehensive in terms of obviously more recent COVID times and hybrid working and are those opportunities still there? Certainly uh, in my conversations with colleagues, many are, are sorry, conversation with companies, many of them did freeze work experience or placements during the pandemic, but they are being reintroduced. The likes of Pinsent Masons, Cleaver Fulton Rankin, you know, they're opening up schemes again. Um, and even in that hybrid working situation, if you are brought in, you know, for a placement or an internship, they still encourage early career staff to be in the office environment because obviously there's great learning there and then they can interact with other staff. Um, I suppose in searching for an opportunity, David, um, it's important in terms of it's quality, not quantity, I would say. You know, some students send off, you know, 50, 100 applications, but they're not tailored in any which way. Um, so it basically it potentially leads to less success. So focus on making a quality application. Um, in terms of where you find them, there's loads of platforms that, you know, detail placement internship opportunities. So just to name some of those, um, there's My Future, obviously, the Queen's site. There's a Chamber Student Guide. Uh, there's All About Law, there's Grad Ireland, there's Prospects, there's Target Jobs, there's Rate My Placement. I, I could go on, but there's lots of platforms there that you can actually filter out and, you know, put in the word legal and you can ho- filter out opportunities. Um, one scheme that I would particularly recommend, and it's it's open for application, is uh, we had five students from the School of Law who last year engaged in the Northern Ireland Civil Service, a 51-week student placement scheme. Now, effectively, the students who were engaged in that took a year out of university to complete that scheme. But there was 100 places available last year. This year, there's going to be 160 placements available, and 14 of them will be specifically within the law arena. So during that year, you you know, you're earning a, sal- a salary of uh, uh, just over 18,000, but um, you get great experience in law and and, and get whole exposure to uh, a job in the public sector. So that's a great scheme. And I know for the students that are currently on that, they are really enjoying that. Um, and the other thing to say is if, if you feel that it's very difficult to get an in-person placement or work experience, please do consider undertaking a virtual internship. You know, that's really a way to showcase your knowledge. And we do a lot of work with Farage, which is um, that's a company. It's a leading technology company, but they offer a full suite of virtual experience programs. So, you know, you can pick out a program. You can do programs in competition law, merger and acquisition, cybersecurity, whatever it is. So typically those programs 
exams. You're learning about law and its application. They take about five to ten hours per programme, but you can do them at your own pace and in your own time. They're free to do. And really what you're doing there is you're demonstrating a real interest and a passion for law. And companies in the selection recruitment do rate students who have taken the time to undertake a virtual placement. So I would definitely uh, encourage that. And just a last point in terms of, I guess, for some students, you know, they may be struggling in terms of financially or whatever. So there is for placements in that there is some funding available, for example, in the HSS faculty. Um, they actually support students who want to do either work placements locally or internationally. So they've got um, bursaries that really um, support everything from travel and subsistence. But there's three strands. So maybe if you're doing a, a placement in Northern Ireland and you apply, you can get up to £150. Or if you're doing an international placement, you can get up to £500. The other thing to say is that Queen's does have a, a student financial support hardship uh, fund. Uh, so there's funds available. There's a student support fund. There's a university hardship fund. There's Queen's bursary and there's a care leavers bursary. So there's various forms of financial help and support uh, if that is what is inhibiting you from going forward and exploring a placement. So I think I've been applying to jobs, as I said earlier, and I think what I am a little bit anxious about and what others might be is when is the kind of moment that it's too late to find a job for the summer? Well, in terms of, I guess, vacation schemes, if you're if you're formally talking about uh, um, uh, vacation schemes, I suppose firstly to say these are formal programmes that are designed by companies to try and give you an insight to what it's like to work within a, a company. And really, for, in a lot of cases, they're assessing your suitability for a training contract. So there is the summer placements, but many companies also offer like uh, winter and spring even vacation schemes. Um, they are incredibly competitive again because you know they are part of the recruitment process but they do offer you real work and you can work you know with teams of staff within the company um, It's suppli- they're typically supplemented by other activities where you know, might be doing a, a mock client pitch or a, proje- a bit of project work and you're usually rotating around departments you know during that summer vacation scheme or whatever so in terms of deadlines uh, tend to be between the end of January and February for a lot of the summer vacation schemes uh, or maybe even up there's deadlines lines up to the end of March for some but uh, you need to really I guess if you've targeted companies that you're keen to really you know maybe apply for a summer vacation scheme do check the deadlines because they do vary enormously but as I said earlier those schemes are definitely coming back on board so the likes of Pinsons uh, you know are running a scheme for those students in their penultimate uh, year of um, studies so that's the 2022 summer vacation scheme so those that would be for students applying for a training contract in 2023 and the likes of Cleaver, Fulton, Rankin etc you know they're hoping to run a summer scheme this year as well. And when do you usually hear back from these companies? It, it depends as to whether some some of them wait for the end deadline and then assess all the applications together at one time, depending on, I mean, um, there was earlier you'd mentioned about training contracts and training contracts are, are sort of assessed in a different way because for some companies they have loads of positions there. So what they do is they take an application, they have a deadline date, but they open that um, application period really early, months in advance. So if you get in your application early, you potentially could be selected earlier and get 
get notification earlier earlier that you've been successful. So those training contracts, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the big city firms and national firms offer them. The deadlines for training contract applications tend to be in around, um, you know, um, July, the end of July, whatever. Uh, but, but you know, they're a brilliant opportunity. But again, you know, the processes sound simplistic, but you really do need to work through it in a stepped way in terms of who are your target employers, do your research on those target employers, make a good quality application. You will get some rejections because it is such a competitive field for summer vacation schemes and training contracts, but you may get some positive replies. You go forward for your interviews, do your prep for that, and then hopefully maybe then you'll secure your place at the end of that process. Uh, So you were talking about part-time work as well, and is it possible for me to go through Queen's and find part-time work during the semester that's also related to the legal sphere? Yes, absolutely. And and to be honest, um, if you can't, you know, access a formal legal placement or internship, you know, there are other things you can do. So, yes, part time work is actually really valued by recruiters. So some students, law students think that I only if I can't get a, a legal placement, well, then, you know, there's no point in doing anything. But if you have a job in Tesco or, or Starbucks or, or wherever it may be, you can talk about that as long as you can talk about that experience and convey the skills that you used when you were in that part time job. The contribution you made, you know, to the company and and to its running, basically what you're you're giving the recruiter reassurance that you're less of a risk, that you're more workplace ready, if yeah. you will. So that's very important to them. But there's other ways. I mean, I would also encourage students to think about volunteering, potentially for a not-for-profit or a community voluntary organisation. Again, you know, you're developing very practical skills like teamwork, problem solving, effective communication when you're on doing those types of voluntary work. So it's an ideal way really to boost your CV and it, then it will give you plenty to talk about in those job interviews down the line. So I think there's just one final point, which is, um, I think, you know, lucky enough that I'm doing well academically and I'm just a bit apprehensive about how can I secure a training contract? And I, I appreciate all the other ways of standing up, but what's the real way of me cutting to chasing, grabbing a training contract by the throat? getting a job straight out of university. Okay. I would say the first thing is leave plenty of time to make your application in the first instance. Do that formal research. Make sure that you know about the employers that you're applying for. You wouldn't believe how many students cut and paste text from one application to another and then have the wrong name of the employer or misspelt names of employers, you know, when they're making applications. And needless to say, they don't get very far in the application process. So do all that research. Put together a good quality application but do tease out from your work experience previous work experience or be it part time jobs or whatever it is or your extracurriculars what skills competency knowledge do you have and you need to it's not just saying I've got good communication skills I'm good at working in a team it's giving worked examples and that's the secret to success in terms of you know putting together a really good application so really the the, the bottom line is being able to evidence the skills that you have and I think if you have put time and effort into pulling together a good quality application, believe it or not, as you move through selection processes, you know your application well. And that actually then gives you confidence and gives you a good grounding to talk from and to give worked examples from during interviews, etc. So I'll be graduating next May. Should I be putting real thought into my applications now for you any 
My my bottom line is you can never start too early in terms of putting together, you know, looking at what applica- applications that are out there, what sort of question areas they have and how you would answer those questions. Because even then, if you identify, well, look, there's one area that I'm really weak in or I don't have an example of or whatever, then you can seek, well, how can I plug that gap, you know, through doing whatever activity then you then land on. And as I say, you know, we're constantly bombarding students with opportunities to get involved in initiatives projects and build their skills skills so that then when you go to fill out these applications you feel confident about that. All right, well Deirdre, thank you so much for talking to me today. Do you have any takeaways or anything else you'd like to say to the listeners of LawPod? Okay, so I just want to share with you something that was a recent conversation that I had with a director, Aaron Moore, in uh, Cleaver Fulton Rankin. And he basically said that even if a student has zero talent, there are three things that they can demonstrate that are really attractive to an employer. So that's be coachable. Be prepared to give energy in the room in any situation that arises and bring a strong work ethic because if you can demonstrate that, employers will be interested. So I guess what I would say is if you can bear those in mind, but all the points that I previously made about proper careers, preparation and skills building, you know, all the things that I've discussed, I think then you will have the winning formula when it comes ultimately to graduate employment. All right, Deirdre, thank you so much. And thank you to whoever's listening to this episode. This was LawPod's episode on how to distinguish yourself as a law student as part of our careers week. 